It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to AZ here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, oh, we were so close. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday afternoon. What day of the week is it? I don't even know anymore. Dear Lord. No, it's Thursday. I can't even keep up. But it is a great day to be with you guys. We have so much to get to today. Uh, Chris Kirshner is going to sit down with us later on in the show as we had a great discussion with him. Uh, and we'll talk all about the last two days that we broke down with the Atlanta Hawks. He's going to join us. Uh, we got the NFL schedule released tonight on Thursday. Yes, I know what day of the week it is now. It is Thursday. And, of course, we're going to start uh, with the Atlanta Braves and the split they got with the Boston Red Sox. But first, there are normal reminders. Please give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And follow Locked On Sports Atlanta. Uh, at Locked On ATL. We have already passed a thousand subscribers here at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Keep it going out there, folks. You guys are so awesome. We thank you so much for supporting Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it is great to see you guys getting on board with this. This has been a blast to do. We've only been at it for a little over a month now, but you guys are really responding to us and we love it. So please continue uh, to like and subscribe. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Uh, and hit the like button there and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta and keep it up. We certainly appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate the Braves eking out a win last night. Orlando Arcia uh, in the ninth spot has a three for four night, including the game winning two run homer uh, that salvaged a split between the Braves and the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, I, I have been trying to caution people not to panic. Um, and I'm not going to lie, you know, that game had me a little bit, I don't want to say panicked. I was more frustrated. I was more frustrated that the Braves best pitcher this year, and no, it hasn't been Max Fried statistically. He's the best pitcher on the staff overall, but Kyle, Kyle Wright has been the Braves statistical best pitcher this entire year. Uh, and when they really were starting out bad in the beginning of the year, Kyle Wright was the reason why uh, this team was even remotely close to 500. So, you know, he goes out and gets rocked for six runs against the Red Sox team that that had scored five runs total in the previous three games and getting swept by the White Sox. And so it was just like, ugh, you know, it was it, they were they were supposed to beat this Red Sox team handily and they didn't. And then in in the game last night, you know, they end up in this three three game. And it's tied and it's like it's, it's not going anywhere. And you're getting into the late innings and you're like, I, I'm starting to feel like this sense of impending doom, the sense of impending dread. Like, oh, my God, they're going to get swept by the Red Sox here in this two game series. Uh, and so Orlando RCA hits a two run blast in the bottom of the ninth and the Braves go home happy and we all go home happy. But, you know, there certainly was a sense of if they had lost that game and fell to 14 and 18, you almost feel like, again, they have so much work to do to dig out of the hole. But this is what good teams do. They find unlikely heroes. Arcia hadn't started a game in over two weeks. And so, you know, he had been on the bench for quite some time, and he made the most of his first start going three for four. He might 
get another start when they start the series with the Padres tomorrow night on Friday. And so, you know, uh, good teams do that. They find ways just to scrape together wins with everybody in the lineup, one through nine. Um, they find a way to scrape together wins with when, when you don't have your best stuff. I mean, you know, it was last night Ian Anderson who struggled at home this year, which, again, is surprising because he was so good at home uh, over the course of his career. But he goes five and a third, seven hits, three runs, a walk, and four strikeouts. Not like terrible, but not like great. You know, uh, you put eight guys on base in five innings. That's that. That's going to be a bad whip. <laughs> so, uh, but they find. I think that's the most important thing, you know, and and that hopefully is something they can build momentum as they head into a series against the Padres to close out this eight game homestand. You know, I really to hit the ball a little better, you know, uh, be better and more consistent um, when it comes to, you know, not striking out as much. I mean, I had eight Ks again last night. I don't know how much more the strikeout thing is going to be a bugaboo for the Braves. Uh, I'd love to see Dansby get going. I'd love to see Austin Riley start finding a little more pop in his bat. I mean, the guy's slugging 341 for crying out loud. It, it's, you know, it's early. Um, I'm sorry, that's Marcelo Zuna that's slugging 341. He needs to get going too as well, dear Lord. Um, you know, Riley's at 487, so he's much more respectable at this point in the year. But, you know, regardless, all this, this is an offensive team that isn't really being offensive right now. Um, the way they're they're batting is offensive, but it's not offensive. You see, see what I did there? So when they start to get going, and they and they, they have a series against the Padres coming up, and they're gonna face the Padres' best starters. Uh, and that's something where, you know, they're going to be challenged and runs are going to be at a premium. And so they're going to have to find ways to win games um, that that they aren't necessarily used to. And they're going to need some at-bats from big guys who really can produce. And uh, I'm curious to see how the whole thing takes out. We'll obviously take a preview of it tomorrow. But thank God they got a win. Really, thank God they got a win because it was something that, like, even I would have understood the frustration and the – and the, the anger at where this team is had they not gotten a split at least with the, uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Now they'll need to take three in a row to finish above 500 for the homestand, which again, I'd be happy with two out of three. It wouldn't have been the way the homestand I wanted it to go because that would have made us what uh, two out of three, two out of three and a split would have been five and three when they needed to be six and two on the homestand to finish above 500. So We'll see. Um, but again, it was a good night at Truist Park and a relief for the Braves. All right, coming up next, Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. Uh, we've used his column, his mailbag, for the last two days to address some serious issues with the Atlanta Hawks. And he will address them himself now with us right here coming up next. You're watching and listening to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you guys search for this guy whenever it comes to Hawks coverage. He's the beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks for the Athletic. Chris Kirshner joining us here on A to Z. Chris, welcome, brother. Good to talk to you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so uh, I've been using your, your mailbag column over the last two days just to sort of uh, kind of dive into what the Hawks offseason is. And I I want to start with part two as opposed to part one. And I think the thing that was most poignant for me that you spoke about yesterday, more than anything, and your colleague at The Athletic, David Aldridge, even said this, 
it might not so much be a personnel issue for the Hawks. It might be an attitude issue. And most of that stems from Trey Young and Nate McMillan. You know, when they got down to the heat early, I kind of said, like, I felt like, you know, is I I said, I was like, I'm going to ask the question. I don't need an answer now. Let's wait till it's all over. But is Nate McMillan the guy, right? Because I think it's fair to say he lacked the ability to make adjustments. I think he lacked the ability to sort of motivate his team to figure out a way through all this thing. Some of his rotations are questionable. Coaching decisions were questionable. And while I'm not advocating he should be fired per se, I think it's fair at this point to question was last year just lightning in a bottle, and this is a better idea of who Nate McMillan is as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think, as always, the answer is probably somewhere in between. You know, coming into this season, I I did not think that the Hawks were going to be a team that was going to be in the conference finals. I thought they were going to be better regular season, like record-wise, and then, you know, get eliminated in in the semifinals. I, I just thought that the talent on the roster wasn't enough to be a team that could be in the conference finals like what we saw last year they definitely caught lightning in a bottle you know tony wrestler said it himself uh, a few days ago when he talked to uh some of the reporters here in atlanta it's like you know what they did last season was magical um and i think what we saw this season especially if we're talking about none in particular is the coach that we've seen for almost two decades now. You know, I thought the the interesting stat with McMillan is, you know, he's been a coach for 18 seasons now. It's a long time. He's advanced out of the uh, first round twice. This past season with the Hawks and in 2005 with the Seattle Supersonics. That, that team doesn't even exist anymore. Um, so when you look at that alone for someone who's coached as long as he has, you kind of have to look at the coach and say, okay, like why isn't this coach's teams advancing as far as you would like your organization to be? And that's partly the reason why Indiana moved on from him. You know, he was there for, he was with the Pacers for a few seasons, didn't advance out of the first round. And they, in the final season with the Pacers, they got swept by Indiana in the first round, which was, you know, kind of ironic with how the Hawks played against uh, Miami uh, they they got swept against Miami, but it was ironic that you know how the Hawks play this year was against Miami, and like they were they weren't even close in this series. But you know, moving forward, do I think that Nate McMillan is the guy long term? Probably not. But you know, you don't want to fire a coach after one season just because of the fact that the team had a bad year. I I personally think it's bad business, and it just it's not a good look for your organization and it really paints a, a picture of the team being in disarray. And, and I don't think the Hawks want to portray that to the 29 other teams in the league. All right. Well, let's kind of for a second, remember why and how Nate McMillan got here, right? Nate McMillan got here and correct me if I'm wrong on this because Lloyd Pierce got fired. Why did Pierce got fired? Because he couldn't get along with Trey Young because mm-hmm. he was very, uh, not as player-friendly, let's call it, as Nate McMillan is. And maybe one of the right. things that Lloyd Pierce asked Trey Young to do a lot more than Trey wanted to was to play that thing called defense. Uh, and and if the Hawks are going to get any better defensively, like, it's got to start with Trey. He's the emotional – everything that is, and they put it all on his shoulders. If he's got the air about defense, nobody else is going to follow for suit. But if they can force Trey to actually give a rip about playing better defense, everybody else should fall in line behind him. Am I wrong in assuming that? I think you're 100% right. 
um, I think it, it's certainly something that Trey has to realize moving forward. Like if, if winning titles is what he wants to do, which is what he wants to do, he has to play better on that end of the floor. You know, that's not to take away what he's doing offensively. I think he's special on that end. You know, one of one of the best offensive players in the league, no doubt about it. No one really can question that anymore. But, you know, I think there's a lot of room for improvement for Trey on the defensive side of the floor. I've been saying it since his, his rookie season. If he just gets to be just regular bad, just regular bad, you know, a lot of NBA <laughs> – a lot of NBA defenders are just, just you know, they're not good or, that you know, they can take plays off here and there. But if he can just get to that level of just being you know, a regular bad defender, it would really go a long way for the Hawks. Right now, with where he's at defensively, the 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 way that Travis Schlink has to build out the roster, it's hard. You have to find guys who play two ways. You have to find guys who are – at, at least above average defensively to mask what Trey is defensively right now. So I think if he can just lock in more on the defensive end, it could go a really long way for the Hawks. And I do think that this series against Miami will be a humbling wake-up call for Trey. At least you would hope. The, the way that they lost, the way he played in particular, I think it, it's going to show him this offseason like, okay, like, you know, I am one of the best players in the league, but there is another level that I can get to. And I think, you know, being a better defender is one of those ways that he can improve. Is it fair to say that Nate McMillan might not be the coach that can implore Trey to focus more on defense for 40-plus minutes of a basketball game? I think that has to come from Trey himself. I don't I don't think it matters who the coach is. You know, when McMillan was a player himself with the Supersonics back in the day, he was one of the better defenders in the league. You know, all throughout his coaching tenures, he's been one of those guys who wants to prioritize defense. So I think it has to come from the players. It ha- like you said, it has to start with Trey. If Trey's not giving a damn on the defensive end of the floor, then why does anybody else have to give a damn? Like, it's just not fair. So I think that's what we saw the, this this season from a lot of it. It's like, okay, well, I have to pick up for Trey because Trey's not, you know, giving max effort. But why am I doing this? Like, if he's, if he's not doing it as the star player, then me as a lesser player or a role player, whatever you want to call it, like, why, why should I have to pick up his slack? So I think it just has to come within Trey in himself to realize, okay, Again, like I want to be one of the best players in the league. You know, I want to make first team all NBA or whatever it is that he wants to achieve, winning MVPs. Like you have to be a better defender at the end of the day. And again, I, I do think that just knowing Trey over these past four years now, I, I, I do think that he understands that he has to get better on that end of the floor. And I, I do think he will, because at the end of the day, he's one of the smartest players that I've come across, you know, he's, he knows the game really well. He knows where he's supposed to be. It's just a matter of, you know, locking in and actually doing it. All right. So to that end, you talk about some of the improvements that Tony Ressler can make. And in the first part of your mailbag, you went over with Stan listeners, readers, you know, about the options that were out there. And Rudy Gobert was a name that kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, now that to me would be a huge haul because that is a, you know, very good defender and an above average overall player and a guy that, in reality, you know, is not an easy ad given where the Hawks are from a salary standpoint and everything else. But 
you know, that could be somebody that could elevate other players around them defensively. So it's not just like a second or tertiary piece. Rudy Gobert is like a main piece of mm-hmm. a team. So what's the likelihood you think they could acquire him? I think with any um, trade involving a major talent like Gobert is, the Hawks have the pieces to, to make any deal happen. It's just a matter of, you know, does the team, uh, the other team, like what the Hawks have. I think it's just a matter of uh, choice at the end of the day um, because the Hawks have several young players. They have the, the veteran contracts to match. They have all of their draft picks, which is important, especially uh, trades involving, you know, star level players. So when you look at what Utah just went through and has gone through in these past few years, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell pairing has just run its course. And I think that they, they do need a change. And, you know, just from talking to people across the league and just people who observe the league as a whole, um, it just seems likely that Donovan Mitchell would be the one that the Jazz wants to build around rather than Gobert. When it comes to how he would fit with Atlanta, I do think that it, it could be a similar problem that the Jazz had, which is Donovan Mitchell is a really poor defender the Jazz as a whole had really poor perimeter defenders, and that puts a lot of strain on Gobert. And Gobert, he's a generational defensive player. I don't, I don't think there's any arguing there. But if you have poor perimeter defenders, which Atlanta had poor perimeter defenders this season as a group, you know, Gobert can only do so much. So I think what the Hawks might run into if they do trade for Gobert, you know, it's going to cost something like DeAndre Hunter and Capella or DeAndre Hunter and, and um, Danilo Gallinari if the Jazz want to create salary cap space. But, you know, if you lose Hunter, you obviously lose your best perimeter defender. So how are the Hawks going to make up for that? So they're going to have to do a lot of work in getting those minimum guys or guys who make 4 or $5 million. Maybe they can bring back DeLon Wright, which is something that they want to do. But you still have to get perimeter defenders if, if you add Gobert. So I would also keep that in mind. I do think that the, the Hawks need – Someone like Gobert on their team, he's a top 20 player in the NBA, and the more top 20 players you have in the league, I mean, on your team, the better your chances are in the league. So I do think that it it would be a good addition. I know a lot of people like hating on Gobert for whatever reason, but, you know, he's a really good player. And playing with a point guard like Trey who can get him the ball at the rim, I think he would thrive with, with playing like uh, with someone like Trey because he hasn't really had that with Mitchell. He's a great player, but he's not the level of playmaker that, that Trey Young is. To that end, I mean, in general, would you be shocked if the Hawks don't make a major move and only try to add smaller outside pieces given where they are with the salary cap? Um, I wouldn't be shocked because trading for, you know, top 20 guys is difficult because as we've seen in the past few years, if you are a top 20 player, you have a lot of say in where you want to be. That might be a problem for a team like Atlanta. I think I said it on, on your show the last time I was on, but you know, the, the Hawks, you know, they just got worked in the first round of the playoffs. Like that, that wasn't a close series at all. They won one game. Um, and, and Miami was clearly better. A lot of the times, top 20 players want to go to teams that are already formed. They're really close to winning a title. I don't think Atlanta is really close to winning a title right now. 
you know, sure, like, you know, get, getting adding a top 20 player would certainly add to the, their chances. But, you know, again, you still need several other players to get to that level where you're winning a title. You know, I just watched the Bucks celtics game. Those teams are really close to winning titles. Um, you know, M- Milwaukee obviously won last year, but I, I do think that Milwaukee has a really good chance at, at repeating. But, you know, they have several players who are just – good role players. The Hawks don't really have that. They have some good guys on the roster, but they do need to improve like the level of talent. Like they just need better defenders. They need some dogs on the team. They don't really have that. Um, you know, they just need players who want to give hundred percent effort on the defensive end, which is the main problem that the Hawks had. If they don't improve in that area, especially defensively, we're probably going to see the same results as, as we did this season. So I think those are the main things that the Hawks need to, to look to add this offseason. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Check out all the work on The Athletic. He's the best in the business and certainly the best at covering the Atlanta Hawks, Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. Thanks for the time, as always, brother. I appreciate it, man. You stay well. Do it again soon. Thank you, Mark. Uh, we'll take a time out, come back, wrap things up here on A to Z, right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. Welcome back, A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, thank you for making A to Z part of your daily sports listen here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you check out all the shows on our network, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones. Tanitra Batiste and Jarvis Davis. Don't forget about our Braves postcast after every single game of Grant McCauley, along with Locked On Falcons and Locked On Hawks, Aaron Freeman, Brad Rowland, respectively. What a great conversation we just had with Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. A lot there for the Hawks this offseason, so we'll continue to monitor it as we go along. But tonight, the NFL schedule release, uh, and we're going to start seeing the leaks coming out throughout the entire day. And probably as you're listening to this in your car or wherever you are, your lunch hour, uh, you're, you're starting to, you have heard some of the, the leaks that have come out already. Uh, and I don't know how many leaks we'll get for the Atlanta Falcons and, and where they're going to be and, and whatnot. But um, look, the schedule release is a big deal and everybody gets behind it. Why do I get behind it? For two reasons. One, I just like to know what it is. Two, I get gambling lines to come out. Uh, and we will already start looking at games in week one uh, starting tonight that we will uh, we will start placing wagers on. So uh, you guys know me well enough to know that there's always a, a gambling angle involved. And uh, with the schedule release, we'll get to figure out what some lines are. And that's always fun for me. So, uh, but I'm not going to predict wins. As I said earlier in the week, we're not going to do that. Uh, maybe we'll drop an emergency pod tonight when the schedule is released. But if not, we'll have a full breakdown on tomorrow's show of the Falcon schedule and be prepared for a breakdown that actually matters and makes sense. I'm not going to sit here and give you a record and you're going to hear that all over town tomorrow. It's a waste of your time. Um, it doesn't matter. The schedule setup is more about, you know, who you're playing, when you're playing and what your back-to-backs on the road are, the level of quarterbacks you're playing, the level of defenses you're playing, how healthy you're going to be. It's just, a, there's so many things that go into whether you win or lose a football game. And, the idea that because you're playing the Giants in week eight, that's an automatic win. It's just ridiculous. It, it doesn't, there's no such thing. Um, Marcus Mariota could be hurt. It could be Desmond Ritter's first start. I mean, who knows? Like there's, there's no way to figure any of this stuff out, especially with the fact it's hard to figure out when you do it with a team like the Green Bay Packers that's gone 13 three the last couple of years. I mean, like, you know, it, it's, it's nearly impossible to do with the question marks that the Falcons have. 
you have no idea who's going to be good and who's not. And, and you're starting a bunch of rookies and you have a brand new quarterback and whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, don't waste your time doing all that stuff. So uh, we're going to look forward to the schedule release tonight. Going to be a really, really uh, interesting thing to see. And I'm curious to see what they do with this Amazon Thursday night football deal. You know, I'm curious to see how much of their new partner they're going to favor in putting games on and when they put them on. And because the Falcons are expected to be bad, they probably won't have a lot of primetime games, but they will get a Thursday night game. I assume it's going to be against the Saints. I assume it's going to be early on in the year, so the Falcons aren't incredibly you know, bad by the time it happens. Uh, and the Saints have their own set of question marks. So I would expect, and that's my guess, a Thursday night early season game for the Falcons against New Orleans, You know, maybe week three or week four when – at worst, the Falcons are 0-3 and or 1-2, and two, and the Saints, you know, uh, maybe are the same, 1-2. and two. Who knows? Uh, they have a new head coach. they they're got James Winston. Other issues, you know, used to be years ago for primetime television. So that would be my guess, but, you know, who knows? Uh, and, of course, the Falcons could play the Buccaneers on primetime, right? Because it's Tom Brady, and so it doesn't matter who Tom Brady plays in primetime prime time because it's Tom Brady in primetime. So I suppose that is an option. But, you know, typically Falcons Saints has been the primetime option, especially when Tom Brady is going to be playing so many other big teams and big quarterbacks. They'll probably use that for the showcase as opposed to Tom Brady versus uh, Marcus Mariota or Desmond Brady. So make it that what you will. But I think that's what will happen for the Falcons on the Thursday night. I don't think they'll get a Monday night game. Um, and that's the other thing. You know, the, the Monday night schedule has always been contentious. But correct me if I'm wrong, I think we can flex Monday nights now. Um, I think the NFL did that. I have to double check. And I don't know why I didn't check that before we started this segment. But nonetheless, uh, somebody tweet me if, if they can. And so that may change a little bit, too, with the – uh, NFL scheduling is they're always continually trying to get the best games they can uh, in their primetime spots. So, uh, which I think they also over-exaggerate, right? Like, honestly, if a football game's on, people watch. Uh, don't don't try to make perfect the enemy of good. I'm not worried if I get Lions and, and you know, Falcons in week 16 on TV. I mean, you know, it, it, from a national standpoint, obviously here in Atlanta it matters. If we get Lions and, and uh, Jaguars, you know, week 15 on Monday Night Football, we're all still watching. It, it, like, the difference between 13 million people watching and 17 million people watching, like, I, you know, I, yes, there's a difference, but I wouldn't bend over backwards trying to accommodate that. That's just me, but that's why I don't run the NFL. So there is that. All right, that'll do it for us today here on A to Z. Appreciate you guys making A to Z your first listen. Make your next listen. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, the ATL Sports Talker, giving you all the best takes on Falcons, Braves, Dogs, Hawks, everything you need right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Just search Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcast. Go out there. Make it a wonderful Thursday, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow for a Friday edition of A to Z. You guys have a great day. Don't take the crap from anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.